0: It's, it's really sad because again, you know, Pete making this movie had, it had to have been really therapeutic because he's dealing with his own demons, not just a character's demons, but his own.
1: You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming. The podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced
0: by Atlas Med staff with your hosts, Jamie Zarlingo and Nina Granger. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. You guys, I'm really excited to talk about this one today. This is a movie that I've been looking forward to for a long time, um, and it was just released on demand last week. Uh, the movie I am talking about is Judd Apatow's The King of Staten Island. Um, so if you haven't heard of this one, um, it was actually supposed to be released theatrically, but due to the pandemic, they um, were it was released on demand, and... Um, I was really excited when I heard about this. My, my husband showed me the trailer. I got really excited. It stars um, Pete Davidson, who um, is uh, from SNL. He's also a comedian. And um, the film is kind of uh, somewhat a biopic on his life, which really um, intrigued me because I, I, if you know me, I love Pete Davidson. I, I stand Pete Davidson. I think he's great. Um, and I love his honesty, and this film to me is a very, very honest look at his his life. Um, it is actually very close to his own life. If he hadn't, it's it's from the perspective of if he hadn't have gotten into comedy, what his life would have been like. Um, so, so yeah, um, I told Nina about it. And um, when I told her that we had to rent it for $20, she was like, Ugh. and I know you guys, you know, it, with these on demand movies with theaters being closed, it, it, it does seem like a lot to, um, to spend $20 to rent a movie and then it just goes away and you don't get to keep it. Um, I get it. But when you think about it, when you go to the movies, you're spending a lot of money on snacks and drinks, so I guess you're kind of saving money by seeing the movie at home. But I I ended up watching it twice because I, I loved it so much. I really, really enjoyed it, um, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So um, first and foremost, this film is directed by Judd Apatow. Um, if you don't know who he is, just by name, he has directed tons of films just from the past... Um, Oh, like 15 years or so. Um, and he was also behind um, Freaks and Geeks, which is one of my favorite shows. Um, Nina, do you have a favorite, or first of all, do you like Judd Apatow films? And if you do, what's your favorite?
1: I do like Judd Apatow films. I'm trying to think of which one I like the best. I'm thinking, um, oh, what's the one that I really like? I really like Knocked Up and there's This Is 40 is like the yes. sequel to that, I think, right? Yep. Like related to that. Um, what else does he do? I'm googling it now. I've I watched Train Wreck, I liked that. He did that. Oh, 40 Year Old Virgin is really good oh, too. Yeah. Um, one Anchorman. of the classics. Yeah, he's done a ton of films. Anchorman. Oh, you know what? I bet my probably my favorite one is Pop Star. Have you seen that? <laughs> I didn't know he was behind that. Yeah. Um, nice. That movie is so funny. He's done so many films, Tal Day Nights, um anchorman anchorman 2 forgetting sarah marshall which is a really good movie oh, i love um, forgetting sarah marshall yeah and maybe he i don't know if he um maybe on some of them he just kind of like assisted because i'm like i'm looking at Popstar right now and it was directed by um Dorma tacon and akiva shaper but then it has him as a producer so um looks like he produced a bunch of these films maybe instead he of directing behind
0: bridesmaids did yes. he direct it?
1: Nice. He was in Bridesmaids, or he was part of Bridesmaids too. He did not direct it, but I'm guessing he produced it. Nice. Um, but yeah, he's behind so many just classic films of our generation. I would agree. I actually made
0: the comparison that I think he's like our generation's John Hughes. Um, just because of all the teen films that John Hughes did in the the 80s and the 90s. Um, and I really like what I like about him is um He's not afraid to tackle maybe more serious subjects, um, and and especially in some of his later films. Like, did you ever see Funny People with Adam Sandler? I don't think I did, though. I did. Was that pretty good? It was. It was more of like a dramedy. Um, that one came out maybe like ten years ago, and um, it's about a, a comedian who is dying of cancer. And um, I think that this film is kind of close in and just it's dra- dramatic and comedic elements mm-hmm. um but more of kind of based on a true
1: story yeah, so a lot of films are based on a true story or have like some true elements to them which i think makes them more i don't want to say relatable because obviously but um I think that's kind of the point that he wants to bring light to more like real topics like depression and, and, you know, growing pains and all those things.
0: Absolutely. And um, this movie has quite a cast. So first, of course, we have uh, Pete Davidson. He plays Scott Carlin, Um, the lead character, Marissa Tomei um, as Margie Carlin, who is Scott's mom. Um, she's in a ton of stuff. You would know her if you saw her face. Um, I didn't realize she won an Academy Award for my cousin Vinny, um, but she was also in the most the newest Spider-Man series as um, Aunt May, Crazy yep. Stupid Love, which we reviewed. She's yep. in a ton of stuff. Yep, she's great. Um, Bill Burr as Ray Bishop, who um, plays the uh, fireman who – Scotts mom starts to date in the film. He is a stand-up comedian. He was also in Breaking Bad towards the end. F is for family. Um I got to say Bill it's not that I don't like Bill Burr. His comedy is kind of mean in my opinion. I think he's very very angry and kind of mean, but I thought he killed this role. I thought he
1: did such a good job. It felt like a very natural role, role for him, I think. I don't know why. Maybe he's kind of an asshole in real life, but it just seemed like it was not difficult for him to play that role.
0: No, I agree. And the mustache, too. Ugh. He does not have that mustache in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yuck. Um, Belle Powley plays Kelsey, who is Scott's. They're friends, and they're also sleeping around a little bit. Um, She was in The Morning Show. Yeah. I. Yeah, I remember lo- watching this movie. I'm like, why does she look so familiar? She's in The Morning Show. Um, She's, I think, the intern? She, she has a smaller mm. role.
1: Yeah, she's the one that's in The Morning Show. She's sleeping with the weatherman.
0: Yes. And um, by the way, she has a great accent. She's British, but, I mean, she pulls mm. off that Staten Island accent perfectly.
1: Yeah, it's very, like, Jersey. New oh, New York. yeah.
0: Um, we also have Maude Apatow, who is, um, Jed Apatow's oldest daughter. She plays Claire, who is, uh, Scott's sister. Um, she's in a ton of, a ton of his films. She's actually in, um, Knocked Up and this is 40. And she was also in the newest, um, uh, Netflix show. I've talked about it a little bit, Hollywood. She played a small role in that. Um, Steve Buscemi plays Papa, who is one of the, the firemen at, um, the firehouse that Ray works with. And all I put for, um, I always write down like stuff that these people are in, the actors are in. I just put, you know him because <laughs> we all know who Steve Buscemi is. He's
1: pretty great. And he, I didn't know yeah. this. He was a, he was a fireman in real life. Oh, well, I didn't know that either. Yeah. I um, really liked him in this film because I feel like he always plays a real creepy character. Yeah. Um, but in this film, he is like a really like nice, like endearing character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he really did a great job. I love him. I think he's great, but yeah, he was, he actually during nine 11, um, kind of took a break from filming and helped out in New York, which I think is awesome. It's amazing. I had no idea. I didn't either. I actually just learned that today. So learned something new. Um, Pamela, Pamela Adlin as Gina, who is Ray's ex-wife and, um, when looking up what she's done, she's done a ton of like voiceover work, um, most notably, um, Spinelli in recess and Bobby Hill in King of the Hill. Um, and then a couple of smaller roles that I loved, um, Jimmy Tatro, who I've talked about a little bit, he was in 22 jump street. Um, and he's in this like Facebook show that I love. He was just one of the, uh, other firefighters, Moises Arias, who plays Igor, who is um, one of Scott's best friends. He was Rico in Hannah Montana and a bunch of other Disney stuff.
1: Um, so that was kind of I did fun not that put he that together at all. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. He's so short. Yeah. He's
0: he's a little guy. Yeah. So little. And then of course, Colson Baker, AKA Machine Gun Kelly is also in this, who is a good friend of um, Pete Davidson. And he plays a tattoo shop owner. A couple of other small roles, but those are the biggest names that I um, pointed out. Um, Again, like I said, it was directed and produced by Judd Apatow, and it was written by Judd, Pete Davidson, and um, Dave Cyrus, who um, was an SNL writer, is or was, he at least was at one point. Um, And like I said, um, this film is kind of a biopic on Pete Davidson's life. The main difference, I'll just say right off the bat, is um, in the film, um, Scott's father Passes away when he's about seven years old um, in, the, in the line of duty as a firefighter. He is saving people from a burning hotel and he passes away. In real life, Pete Davidson's father was a firefighter during 9-11 and lost his life um, on 9-11. So that's the main difference between the two, the real life story and the fictional story. And I have to say, I liked that they changed that detail it's a pretty big detail but i liked it because i didn't want it to focus on that
1: you know? yeah yeah so. I, I think that too um i feel like it was m- more typical of a firefighter like i don't think that many firefighters had died in the line of duty but um you know how many how many died during 9-11 like there's a ton Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was a little bit, but it was a little bit more like realistic to just like any, it could happen to any firefighter's kid that they would lose their dad, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. It really brought it, um, more, more down to earth, I think. Um, but, but that is 100% true. Pete Davidson did lose his father and that's why his character's name is Scott because his father was Scott Peterson. Um, sorry, Scott Davidson. Um, So um, I I did like that little detail, but um, let's get into the plot. So, um, starts off we meet Scott, who is a 24 year old high school dropout. He lives with his mom and his sister in Staten Island. He works as a busboy at a, I wouldn't say a nice restaurant, maybe just like an Olive Garden type place. Um, But other than that, he really doesn't have much going on. He has aspirations to be a tattoo artist, um, so he practices on his friends, and he's very, very inconsistent with his designs. Some of them are sorry some of them are really good some of them are not so good there's actually a whole scene with one of his buddies he gives him an Obama tattoo and he says like you you didn't even do Obama
1: right like and like making fun of him and I thought that was funny and then he shows him this other tattoo that's like a cat facing away and the the cat's butthole is like the guy's belly button which I Mm -hmm. thought was Hysterical, but that was like actually a really good tattoo, especially compared to Obama. I
0: you know the Obama one was dying. One, the Obama one was pretty bad, um, but uh, he also has this idea. He 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 wants to run a tattoo restaurant, and he calls it Ruby Tattoo Tuesdays. I think is what he called it, which is hysterical to me. Like this is his dream: is to be a tattoo artist and also run a restaurant, which everyone tells him like, dude, that's, that's a terrible idea, but that's, that's what he wants to do. Um, so other than that, not much going on. He kind of bums around with his friends. They're all kind of also aimless. They all just smoke weed and, and hang out. Um, and, um, he is sleeping with one of them whose name is Kelsey. Um, and she kind of wants things to be more serious. And, um, Scott He's on on antidepressants, so that really um, affects his sex life. Um, And he tells her, he's like, I don't want you to be afraid of me. Like, I'm crazy. I got a lot of stuff going on in my head, and I don't want to subject you to that, which is true. But I think it's obviously, you know, it's also obvious that he's just afraid of commitment. And who wouldn't be, you know, if they've lost their father when they were young. Um, And also just, you know, we all know somebody like that who just can't commit. Scott's sister, Claire, she just graduated high school and she's going off to college and she's worried about Scott and all of his medical issues, um, he, including Crohn's disease, ADHD, and um, clearly PTSD from losing his father. Um, so then when Claire leaves to go to college, um, Scott's mom is understandably very upset. She wants to spend more time with Scott Um, and one day while he's hanging out with his buddies, um, a nine-year-old approaches them and asks Scott to give him a tattoo. He just has his tattoo gun, which I think is like insane. Um, he does, but only, he only draws a line on the kid's arm and the kid freaks out and he runs away. Um, later the boy's father, who is Ray, the firefighter shows up at Scott and Margie's house to complain, says they're going to pay for the tattoo removal. He has a little bit of an argument with Scott and then Scott leaves to go to his room and Margie's still at the front door, and she's like, you know, I'm a nurse. I'll help you out. Like, we'll pay for it. Um, and Ray's like, Where's his dad? Like, wh- what's his dad doing? And she mentions that he has passed away, and immediately Ray's demeanor changes. He's like, Oh, oh, okay. I, I am so sorry. Um, and eventually, um, asks her out on a date. You know, he he feels bad for her. He feels bad for the situation. He his tune completely changes, and he starts to grow infatuated with Margie. So um he is divorced. He has two kids that we find out about later. And one in addition to the the boy that we see. Um and then of course Margie is a widow so they're both single. He has to go out on a date. Um she hasn't seen anyone since her husband died, but she agrees and they begin to really hit it off. And the sequence is actually really sweet them going on dates and just spending time together. But of course, you know she has to explain this to her son. Um, So this scene is actually really funny. I think about it um, like if, you know, I were in a similar situation with my son, how he talks to her when she's like, I'm seeing someone. And he's like, oh, like, why didn't you tell me, you little slut? I hope you're getting banged out real good. (laughs) I'm just like, if my son ever talked to me that way, like, my God. so funny. (laughs) I, I died. It made me laugh. And then she explains who it is and he gets very upset not only because it's Ray who they did not have a good first meeting. Um, but he is also a firefighter. Um, and he gets very upset. He storms off and he um, has this little moment where he's, you know, Margie has this little shrine to her husband to Stan. And, um, he's like, why don't you just build one across from, from dad for Ray, you know, then they can be pals, you know, obviously, hasn't really had a chance to deal with his, with his dad dying. And this new relationship is making all these feelings come up. And, um, it's, it's, it's really sad because again, you know, Pete making this movie had, it had to have been really therapeutic because he's dealing with his own demons, not just a character's demons, but his own. Um, and so that whole bit really, really kind of broke my heart.
1: That's really sad. And and something that I, Pete Davidson's comedy makes me a little uncomfortable because he pokes so much fun at himself. Um, like he really uses like his downfalls in life, like for comedy. And it just makes me like really sad for him. Um, and so that's what, a, that was kind of what I was expecting to see in this movie. And, and you do a little bit, um, there's like a scene where he's with his friends and they're like joking about how his dad is dead and whatnot. And um, but you can see that it is also, you know, you can joke about it and hide behind jokes, but it's still very, obviously a traumatic experience and in, it is in a situation like this that you don't really realize how affected he is by it yet. Like, cause he jokes about it so much, but clearly he still is not over it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I was talking to my husband about it and, you know, he, he made a point that, you know, comedians generally don't have super happy lives. I mean, they get into comedy, like this is my life, you know, and ain't that funny. Um, and he, Pete's sense of humor is very much self-deprecating, like I'm crazy, you know, type of comedy. Um, but that's what I really appreciate about him is that honesty. And, and I feel like a lot of that really came through in this film, like being honest with himself, um so you can really see that and especially you know if you knew that ahead of time watching this movie it hits you in a different way
1: yeah I think it would be totally different if you went into the movie not knowing anything about Pete Davidson at all and Nina you didn't
0: know about his dad did you
1: I did before watching this film but I really didn't didn't know like a whole lot about his life in general really I just knew he's comedian he's on SNL he did it Ariana Grande and his dad died on 9-11 that was like the only things I really knew about him
0: yeah that's pretty much what a lot of people only know about pete is is his his love life especially um but i again like i've I've been saying this film really gives you an inside look to to who he is and why he is the way he is um so so after scott gets the news from his mom um uh, she says you know i i think we should all have dinner together this is really important to me i'm very happy um, and he doesn't want to do that. So they settle on Ray and Margie coming to the restaurant that Pete works at, or sorry, that Scott works at. And, um, he, they, they show up and, you know, he's a bus boy, asks them if they want sparkling water. And, and Ray's kind of an asshole to him. Like he's, he's that typical customer that's like super particular. And then Margie goes, to the bathroom, and they have a little conversation. And um, he's like, "I think I could really make your mom happy, and you know, I really, really like her." And he talks about how he's a fan of baseball, but he's a fan of like AAA baseball, not major league. And um, just kind of casually brings up like, "Oh, I have you know season tickets to the Yankees." And Scott's like, "Oh wow, that's awesome!" But it's the minor league <laughs> Yankees. But um, they decide to go to a game together, so Scott and Ray can bond, and um, when they go um well actually before i get to that so there's this whole little bit where the the employees of the restaurant that Scott works at they fight for their tips which i thought that this was a hysterical addition to this film the the fighting for the tips and he gets into a, a fight earlier in the film like they push him in and he doesn't want to fight the guy and the guy you know knocks him out and then in this part he's like who wants to fight me i'm looking to fight because he's so mad at his mom and at ray and I thought that was
1: really funny. Yes. I really hope that that is real in his life. I mean, I don't really want people to have to fight <laughs> physically for their tips, but it was so funny. So
0: actually, I literally, right before we started recording this, I watched um, a video of Seth Meyers interviewing Pete about the film, and he asked him about that. And he said, no, but when he worked at a restaurant, I think it was like his uncle's restaurant or something, he they did like... if two guys had like beef or an argument they would fight they but never over tips um but that was so funny loved that little bit so he he wanted to include that which I'm, I'm very thankful for really added to the film so um so Ray and Scott go to the baseball game with a bunch of Ray's uh firefighter but firefighter buddies and immediately it's just not off to a great start Scott's kind of, he doesn't really want to be there and it makes him kind of uncomfortable to be around all these other firefighters. And um, Papa, Steve Buscemi, is talking to him and kind of pulls it out of him. He's like, I want to know, uh, you know, what do you think about firefighters? And Scott's like, you don't want to know. And he's like, no, I do. No, please tell me. And that's when he says, okay, if you're a firefighter, you shouldn't have a family because you shouldn't put your family through that kind of pain if something happens to you. And it's such a, such a kind of awkward. It is awkward, but the part where, you know, he's explaining it and he's like, oh, why don't you ask my dad? Oh, he's dead. And then something happens in the game and he starts cheering and he's like, yeah, what a game guys. Right. And it's just (laughs) like, Oh, like you can tell that just it's, it's painful for him to even like think about firefighters and just that job in general. But I have to say like the, the men who were there, could have you know ripped him a new one but they were very respectful of what he had to say which i thought was really cool
1: Mm -hmm. i think that um it's before this happened that you know when ray first starts dating um margie she he realizes that um the firefighter that died in this hotel fire like was he was like kind of locally famous um so ray kind of puts two and two together the her husband is the one that just had died and and they had recognized him like at the station and whatnot. a lot of people that he worked with at the station knew of um, Scott's dad. And so I think that when they're at the game, like the other firefighters don't know that Scott's dad was the one that died in the hotel fire, but Ray does. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's, he like talks about it later in the movie, but I just thought it was really interesting like at that point that they probably didn't put that together. And then later on when they talk about it, they're like, oh, yeah. Yep.
0: Um, after the baseball game, um, Scott comes home and, um, well, no, actually he wakes up the next morning and he's so cute, he's like a little kid. He's like, did Ray spend the night? Like like a little kid, It's it's cute. Um, and, um, Margie and Ray, they break the news to Scott that he needs to move out by the end of the summer, which is like nine months. So he has almost a year to move out, but he gets really upset. And they also tell him that he needs to start helping out around the house and to help with Ray's kids and taking them to school when he has to work. So then there's a little sequence of, um, scenes where, uh, Scott is taking, um, Ray's son and daughter to school and it's so wholesome and cute. Um, the little girl, she sings for him, which is really sweet. Um, The boy, he talks about like the superhero, I think like Iceman is his name that he invented. And it's all to um, a violin cover of Scar Tissue, which I was like, this is fantastic. The soundtrack in this movie is amazing. And I I love that that too. The soundtrack is really good. And that song specifically, I was like, oh, good choice. (laughs) Good one. Um, so yeah, throughout, throughout taking Ray's kids to school, he actually gets really close to them and bonds with them. Um, and then, uh, later on, uh, Ray, Margie and Scott go to visit Claire at school and, um, they have dinner together and, um, Claire's kind of poking at her mom. Like, is it serious? Like, are you guys going to get married and makes Scott really uncomfortable? And, um, he decides to go to a party with her, which these, this is a fun scene, the sequence of them at the party with a bunch of college kids and um, just having a fun time. And then afterwards he's walking back to, I'm assuming like the hotel that um, his mom and Ray are at. And he's like, all right, what are we going to do about Ray? How are we going to break him and mom up? And Claire's like, I like Ray. I don't, I don't think we need to break them up. Like what, what's wrong with you? Like she's, she's okay with it. And Scott's like, what How could you be okay with it? Like he's, he's a liar. Like he's not, you know, like he has all these bad intentions. And so that just kind of creates a little bit of a, a divide between Scott and his sister. And, um, unfortunately in the movie, it never really gets resolved. They have another conversation later. Um, actually after, um, Scott and his friends decide to rob a pharmacy and, um, sell the drugs that they rob. And this is actually kind of funny. I thought this whole bit was really unnecessary to the whole film. But what I really thought was funny is Scott's supposed to be the lookout. He's a terrible lookout. He's just on his phone and he's like using Snapchat filters and playing games and just fucking around. And then they get busted and he bails. He is able to get away and he ends up um, visiting his uh, his um, friends in jail. And um, he's like, are you going to rat me out? And they're like... Well, how are we supposed to rat- say that you were the lookout when you didn't look out? <laughs> you didn't help us. So, um, but yeah, I felt like that whole, the robbery, all of that.
1: We didn't really need it. No, I thought it was a good moment for him to like make a decision, you know? Um, cause when they were talking about leading up to the robbery, they were like, oh, we want you to participate. And he's like, nah, I'm out. I'm not doing that. Like, it's too risky. It's stupid. Um, it's not going to work. And then he somehow still gets roped into doing it and being Mm -hmm. the lookout. And then he fails as a lookout. So I feel like he was trying to maybe be more responsible and his friends were sort of dragging him down.
0: Yeah. And he immediately after it happens, he calls his sister who's at a Halloween party and um, he, you know, she's like, why would you do that? Why, why, how would you be so stupid? And he says like, I got desperate and made a bad decision. I need money. I need to get out. Um, and so yeah, they have a fight a little bit and it never gets resolved. He never talks to Claire again throughout the course of the film, which I kind of found a little upsetting. We never really got closure in that. Um, but anyway, so we move on. Um, at some point, Scott actually meets Ray's ex Gina. They, um, get high together and she tells him, you know, typically, you know, what, divorced people do. And they say things that might not necessarily be true about their partner or their ex. And she tells Scott that Ray is a gambler. He doesn't even want custody of his children. And then of course, Scott tells this to Margie and then Margie relays it back to Ray and the two have a fight, um, in the, in their backyard. And this is, oof, there was actually a, a part where Ray really wanted to get at him. And he said, Hey, I knew your dad. And he was, you know, an asshole like you are. And that sets Scott off and they fight and Margie shows up and kicks them both out of the house. And then uh, Scott has nowhere to go. He tries to go back to Kelsey and um, she says no. And um, well, they actually end up like cooking up and he's like, Hey, can I stay here for a couple of days? And she's disgusted and mortified. Like, no, like, you know, like, we're not doing this. And so she kicks him out and Scott has nowhere to go. So he ends up showing up at the firehouse and asks Ray if he can stay there. Um, And he at first is like, no, you can't stay here. But the rest of the guys give him a chance and um, give him odd jobs, like cleaning the toilets and just kind of doing the shit that nobody else wants to do, Um, painting and things like that. Um, and, uh, he kind of bonds with them. Like he kind of bonds with, with the firefighters and they, um, end up actually taking him on a run with, um, another hotel fire, or maybe it was an apartment fire. And this scene really got to me too, because, um, you know, he's in the fire truck and he goes and he watches them put out this fire and save these people. And I mean, not just for the character, a surreal moment, but for Pete, to, you know, all the scenes of him walking through the, you know, the firehouse and being in the truck and watching the fire and the fireman put it out. And Steve Buscemi's character is like, hey, it's all right. They know what they're doing. You know, they, they got this. That like just touched me so much. Like how surreal for him to have that experience in making this film to, to see what his dad
1: saw when he was on the job. Yeah. I, when I was watching it, and he, they were like, do you want to come along? And he's like, yeah, sure. I was really surprised that he said, yeah. I would think that, I mean, if it were me in his situation, I'd be like, heck no, I'm not getting anywhere near a fire, um, especially with people that I care about now that he's, like, kind of bonded with. So I could see why that would be super scary for him, like, in any way, like, first just, like, PTSD from losing his father and then having that same fear for the people that he now is, like, pretty close with at the fire station so it was probably like a good moment for him to like you know overcome his fears or whatever or kind of find kind of find closer for that, but I feel like it was probably like very difficult for Pete Davidson and for his character scott
0: absolutely i i that was all I thought about as soon especially there's like this beautifully shot scene where he's walking between um two fire trucks and kind of like looking at the trucks and touching them like that, like gave me goosebumps, like, because that was his dad, like, you know, and it just, it, it really got to me. Then the next scene after the fire is probably the best part of the film. In my opinion, they go to the bar and they're all kind of telling stories about Scott's dad. And he's like, Hey, I want to know who my dad really was. Cause my mom paints him up to be this saint. So like, what was he really like? And they're like, Oh, well we used to do cocaine. And you know, he was just this crazy guy, but you know, on the job, like he was on it and he was all business and he was brave and he, you know, he was a good man. And, um, and then Scott is kind of like, Hey, you guys, I'm really sorry for being an asshole to you guys. Like, I'm sorry for what I said, and I really appreciate you taking me along and helping me out. And then they all get drunk and they sing, um, one headlight. I loved this scene. First of all, I love that song. And second of all, it was just so funny. Like it was just all it's of them, hilarious. Yeah. All of them drunk and singing together. And then they go back to the firehouse and, um, Ray is still kind of drunk and he's like, you know, he, through his son, finds out that Scott is actually really talented when it comes to his, his art and his, um, his tattoos. And so he's like, Hey, you can practice on my back. I never see my back anyway, but just no Chinese symbols, nothing offensive, no nudity. And so there's a little bit of a sequence of, uh, Scott tattooing his back and we don't see it until later, but it's pretty funny what he ends up doing. Um, so then one day, um, Scott is at the firehouse. Everyone else is gone. And some man just like walks up with an abdominal wound. He's bleeding out. And so Scott doesn't know what to do. And he's like, I'm high, man. I don't know what to do. And the guy's like, I'm high too. (laughs) So he ends up driving him to the ER. Ray ends up showing up. Margie is actually, she's an ER nurse and she's a school nurse. um, And she's actually working that night. So um, they, they bring the man in and it's Ray and Scott and Margie, and they're taking care of the man. And then, the three kind of make up and Margie sees all the tattoos on Scott's back. And most of them are dumb or exactly what Ray says to not do. But then there's some really sweet ones. And there's one of the four of them, Ray, Scott, Margie, and Claire. And then there's one of, of Scott's dad, Stan. And um, he's like, are they terrible? And she's like, no, it's perfect. And I thought that was really sweet too. That little, that nice little moment towards the end. Um, there's also a scene towards the end of the movie, Scott and his mom are just kind of hanging out on the couch and making amends. And, and he's, he's honest with her and he's like, Hey, I know we don't talk about it a lot, but I really miss dad. And that, that really got to me too. And she's like, I know I do too. And um, then um, for the end of the film, um, Kelsey has been talking throughout the film, how she wants to work for the city. She wants to make Staten Island a better place. And so she has to take a civil service exam and she's taking the ferry to New York City. And Scott surprises her and is trying to help her study and she doesn't really want to talk to him. She's obviously still mad at him. Um, But she ends up letting him help her study and he admits that he loves her, which is really sweet. Um, They kiss and then um, he takes her, walks her up to the the doors and she's like, hey, it's like a three hour test. Are you you sure you want to stick around? He's like, yeah. So she goes inside and then he ends up just kind of walking away and going into Manhattan and this scene um, I've heard from a lot of people they think is kind of symbolic. Um, He kind of looks up to the sky and some people have said that they think he's looking up to where the twin towers once stood. I don't know, but it's a, it's a pretty decent theory. Um, But, but then the cuts to black and that's the film Um, that's the king of Staten Island. Um, And you guys, I just, I loved this movie and I was talking to Nina about it and I was like, this movie was catered to me because I love Jed Apatow. I love Pete Davidson and I love a good dramatic comedy film. So of course I was going to love it. Um, but I will say, you know, it, it definitely wasn't perfect. Um, there are some things I didn't really like about it. It was, it's, it's almost two and a half hours long. So if you're going to watch this movie,
1: buckle up, it's long. Yep, it's a commitment for sure. That was probably my, my biggest complaint about the movie is that it is just super long.
0: It is. And I think, you know, if they cut out the bit with the bank robbery, maybe, you know, cut out a couple of the other scenes as funny as they are, maybe the, the fighting for the tips wasn't necessary. I mean, they probably could have cut at least like 30 minutes out of this film and it still would have been just as good. But um, in my eyes, if that's the biggest fault of the film, I still think that they did a really good job. But we're going to talk more about this film, kind of the making of, um, but first let's talk about what else we're watching. Nina, have you been watching
1: anything else? Um, I have only really been watching the um, Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix. Have you watched it at all? What? Have you watched it at all? No, I haven't, but I've heard it's wild. Is it wild? It is wild. Um, It's called Filthy Rich. Um, I think I'm on maybe like episode four, four or five, but it's like, I mean, I've been watching it just in little bits because it's like- really it's a lot it's yeah super just unbelievable just unbelievable yeah
0: I'm surprised that's another documentary you said you weren't into documentaries
1: I know but I just felt like super I know I was kind of out of touch with like what was going on with all of that like when it was happening I didn't really know like I just knew that he was like uh, he was going to jail for like Um, prostitution of minors but I didn't know the the depth of which that occurred and also um it really interested me that he's Jeffrey Epstein had so much money and nobody knew where it came from so I was like what like he has a private island he has like six homes across the world like and and I'm just also just so fascinated with how he was basically famous because he was a millionaire um and he got away with that for so long like he had he was buddy buddy with trump with bill clinton um with a lot of like big celebrities that i think knew at least a little bit of what he was doing um prince andrew it's just it's just nuts like it just every episode it gets deeper and deeper and you're just like what it's just so insane Um, basically the moral of that story though, is that if you could have enough money, um, you can pretty much get away with anything because you can just buy lawyers off and you can buy policemen off and yep, just crazy, super crazy. Um, what else have you been watching? Um, you know, I have not really
0: had the time to watch too much else. It is, um, believe it or not, it's wedding season. And I know a lot of weddings are being canceled or rescheduled, um, but I'm still doing a lot, um, in that. Line of work, um, but other than that, I have also been I've been watching Degrassi, uh, but I'm about at the point where I'm going to not watch anymore because uh, my favorite character got killed off, and so I'm at, when I watched it originally, that was about the point I stopped watching. So I'm about done with that. Um, I'm really really excited for Hamilton, which will be out in a couple of weeks. Oh my um, gosh, yes. I also saw. Uh, like just a few days ago that 30 Rock is having some sort of reunion special in July which I am so excited about because I love that again. show
1: yeah and the cast is great I yeah. just never got into it you um, should watch it It's i have not had cable for like forever like I don't remember the last time I had cable so I think that's why I just never really got into it because I couldn't watch it when it was coming out um yeah I think I would like it a lot It's, it's a fabulous show. I I watched it
0: through all the way years ago. And then I watched it through again um, when I was on maternity leave and the show holds up Uh, Tina Fey, of course, is fantastic. Um, Alec Baldwin is wonderful in this show. Tons of um, small supporting characters that Tracy Jordan, of course, or Tracy Morgan um, is in it. And um, so 30 Rock, if you guys have not watched that show, I think it's still on Netflix. Um, might be going away. I'm not sure. Um, or it might be on Hulu. It might be on both. I don't know. It's out there somewhere streaming, but it's a fantastic show and they're doing a reunion
1: episode and I'm really excited about it.
0: Nice. Um, but other than that, uh, I don't know. Not really. I really, watched, lot.
1: I went over to a friend's house the other day and they have a, a like two-year-old daughter and I watched Moana, Aww. which I had not seen yet. And it was really, really cute.
0: Moana is one of my favorite Disney movies in recent yeah, it's
1: years. It's really good. It's so good. So anything with the rock in it is going to be good. So.
0: Oh yeah. He's so great in this. And um, the actress who plays uh, Moana is great too. She was actually in, uh, it was like two years ago. I think it was called Rise. It only had one season. It got canceled, but it was about a bunch of high school students um, who were doing the musical Spring Awakening. And it's actually kind of based on a true story. Um, The school, they're in, you know, a pretty conservative town. And if you're unfamiliar with Spring Awakening, it is a very dark musical. Um, Talks a lot about, you know, teen sex and abortion, suicide, um, you know, they're gay teens I mean a lot of heavy topics in that musical And of course nobody wants them to do it And also language and all that other stuff um, I really liked it but it got cancelled after one season But she was the lead in that So
1: no, Yeah I would have never known that yeah. Um, yeah I just really I mean we have Disney Plus But I never really had a good excuse to watch it um, And so you know the, This was at Brayden's house Which he was on this episode last week And his daughter is obsessed with Moana right now so we had to watch it, um, and then we also watched like a, like probably twenty minutes of the new live action Lion King, which I like refused to go see because that's like my favorite Disney movie, and I didn't want. I just felt like it was not gonna, and it was it was a little cringeworthy, honestly. Just didn't like it.
0: I agree. the The live, I mean, it's not, of course, actually live action; it's CGI. But right, I I agree. I was I was really looking forward to it, and then when I actually ended up watching it, I was like. Okay. This is pretty much the exact same movie.
1: Yeah. Not but with movie. CGI. Yeah. It I just I watched like 20 minutes of it and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm done with it.
0: Yeah, you know, some of these live actions are really good and some of them are just better off not being made. Um the live action uh Mulan was
1: supposed to come out in oh, March. Yeah. And it Wonder. obviously didn't happen. Wonder if that's just going to be delayed. Oh, speaking of delayed, um, did you see that the Academy Awards are delayed? What? Really? Yeah. So they delayed them like two months, I think. That's like scheduled for next April instead of February.
0: Really? Um, because they
1: wanted to give like movies that were coming out in theaters like more of an opportunity to wow. be viewed, and you know, hopefully, hopefully that helps. But I was really, I was pretty shocked to see that. Can you imagine if the Academy Awards are all on like Zoom? <laughs> yeah, that'd be nuts. <laughs> Everything yeah, else mean, is. How could you have a big crowd like that? You just can't. Like just can't. Mm-mm. I don't know what it'll look like next April, but I'm assuming that it's still gonna be like. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a room with no thousands of people.
0: D- thinking about being in a room with that many people right now gives me so much anxiety. Like. Yeah. Going to the zoo, to the pool, to a concert, like these things that I used to be like, yeah, now I'm like, oh my God, no. Yeah. The the amount of anxiety that we are all going to have once this is over, whenever it ends, I mean, those
1: feelings are going to take a while to go away. Mm -hmm. I think I would Uh, feel a little bit better if like, if I knew – that every single person had to wear a mask and wear it correctly. But like even just shopping, like going to the grocery store, like half the people here in Nebraska don't wear a, don't wear a mask. No. Nope. Some people that do more, which is infuriating. Um, if you've worked in a hospital, you know why that you can't you can't do that. It's not effective. what. To like not have it cover your nose, like oh it's okay, point that out a little bit.
0: Uh, I've also <laughs> seen a lot of people wear them like
1: the opposite way, like wearing them backwards. I just don't. Um if everybody was like required to wear them and wear them correctly, I would feel a little bit better about public events like concerts and whatnot. but also I wouldn't I don't think I would want to be at a concert. I mean i can I can wait. I don't want to wear a mask for like several hours. Like there's an amusement park that's pretty close to Omaha that I have been dying to go to for a couple of years. We just haven't gotten around to it um, with a group of friends and they are reopening, but you have to wear a mask. And I'm like, I cannot wear a mask outside in July for several hours. Like I'm just, I will just wait till next year or whenever, whenever masks aren't. Required anymore.
0: And I know exactly which amusement park you're talking about. That mm-hmm. also, like Disney's trying to open. Like, mm-hmm. no, I know mm-hmm. that many people that close together wearing masks. Like, first of all, yeah, people are just not going to do it. And then they're going to cause a scene if you try to make them do it. Mm-hmm. And then also, just like being, especially like just thinking like Disney World and how humid
1: it is down there wearing a mask mm-hmm. sounds awful. Yeah, my actually um my husband's cousin their honeymoon was to Disney World in September. They moved their wedding but their honeymoon was non-refundable. So oh. they're going. Oh, well. So, we'll see how how it ends up, but yeah, let, let us know. It's terrible to me. <laughs> yeah. We're it's certainly weird times we live in, but uh um, yeah, anyway. are just sacrifices that I'm willing to make <laughs> at this point for my own health. Yeah. Insanity yes right (laughs) but
0: anyway that's what else we're watching all right guys we're back to our review of uh the king of staten island so uh, the production of this movie um, is, is rather interesting. Um, so in January of 2019, Universal Pictures announced that they're producing a new Judd Apatow film starring Pete Davidson. Um, and they were already set to be co-writers of the film. Um, Davidson first came to um, Apatow's attention from Trainwreck. He was actually, I think he played himself in that movie. Um, and um, he was actually recommended by Amy Schumer. And, um, and like I said in the beginning, that the writing of this film was based in part on David's own life, depicting what it might have been like had he not become a comedian. And uh, it was uh, scheduled to have its world premiere at South by Southwest on March 13th of this year. However, the festival was canceled due to uh, coronavirus. Um, and it was rescheduled to premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival in festival in april which of course was also canceled um and it was supposed to have its theatrical release actually yesterday june 19th so um of course that didn't end up happening and it was um released on demand on june 12th um and unfortunately it's not it was set to have a limited theatrical release but it's actually not going to be released in theaters at all which is unfortunate but um, in its opening weekend, it actually was the most rented film on Fandango now, Amazon Prime, the iTunes store, Comcast, Apple TV, Vudu, Google Play, YouTube, and TV.
1: Pretty awesome. Um, I'm really surprised by that because I feel like there wasn't all that much marketing for it. I mean, like I said, I don't have cable, so maybe it was on cable, like commercial marketing, but I didn't really see very much about it.
0: You know, anymore when I see trailers for movies, it's just online. And on Facebook or somebody sends me the YouTube link. I don't, I don't have cable either. So there's a lot of new stuff that I don't hear about. The only way that I do is if somebody tells me about it or based like on a Facebook trailer. Um, so that's how I kind of found out about this. I saw the trailer online um, and my husband told me about it. As far as um, like general reviews of this film, Um, It holds a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, average rating of 6.83 out of 10. The critical consensus says the King of Staten Island's uncertain tone and indulgent length blunt this coming-of-age dramedy's ability to find itself, but Pete Davidson's soulful performance holds it together. Um, uh, Writing for the Chicago Sun-Times, Richard Roper called the film sharp and funny, gave it three and a half stars out of four, said Davidson delivers a fully realized nuanced performance tackling dark comedy and raw drama with equal aplomb. And David Elric of Ulrich, mm, of IndieWire gave the film a B B+, called it Sweet and Tender Dramedy, um, writing teetering between self-parody and something truly beautiful. Apatow's latest offers yet another shaggy portrait of a permanent adolescence, but this one is best film since 2009's Funny People, helps make sense of why he always keeps going back to the same archetype. I think it's a really, that's a really good description of, of the film. And I would say with, with Judd Apatow films too, like, there's no movie of his that doesn't have some element of, of, of drama, of conflict, of, you know, coming of age in some way. I mean, when you look at, um you know, the 40 year old virgin, like what a, what a funny concept, a man who's 40 and still has never done the deed. But if you watch the movie, it's actually really sweet and has some really, you know, I wouldn't say powerful moments, but some really, you know, kind of deep moments. And you end up by the end of the film, you're like, "I, I love this guy. Like, and it's so easy with a subject like that to like, make it really grotesque and stupid and like lowbrow humor, but there's actually like I still watch that movie and think it's funny. Like, has it aged a little bit? Yeah. But, you know, for being, like, I would say probably one of his first big films, aside from, like, Anchorman and, of course, uh, Freaks and Geeks, he does such a good job of of making things funny but also real. And I think that this film really nailed that on the head. I think that he was able to take – A really serious subject about, you know, the passing of your father. And I realized we do this the weekend of father's day. So that's kind of, kind of a fun, uh, coincidence. We did not plan that. Um, but it takes yeah, this really serious subject of losing your dad, um, and how that stunts you mentally, emotionally, and dealing with that kind of pain and confronting it head on and, um, and coming out, you know, better on the other side. And I didn't mention this in the, um, Uh, the summary, but, but Scott does say like, Hey, I know I'm difficult to deal with and I'm going to try to get my shit together. So I I appreciated that he did that for his mom. You know, like I can't imagine having a 24 year old kid who was kind of, kind of a mooch, kind of leaking, leeching off of you. um, But also knowing what they had to deal with, you know, I I feel like Judd Apatow and Pete Davidson for, you know, co-writing the screenplay really did a good job of meshing those two, the serious and the funny.
1: Yeah, I think that they do a good job of creating like the feeling of empathy for P. Davidson's character um, because you can tell that he just had such PTSD and depression um, from what happened. And then it basically resulted in him being like a classic failure to launch kind of guy um, that just couldn't get his shit together because of, you know, he, he talks about in the movie that he didn't finish high school, like he dropped out. Um, he thinks that he's too dumb to go to college. Like really he has such like little aspirations for himself because he doesn't see himself in a very good light. Um, which I think, you know, you just feel kind of bad that, that there are people out there that are like that and they have experienced such trauma in their lives that it really like, I think that taking into consideration the timing of that when he was a young kid, um, just on the path of development and how that probably affected him and, and kind of stunted his, his mental growth sort of um, really makes you feel for his character and feel for him as a person and, and feel for the people that have gone through that. And that's something that I, I was talking to my husband last night after we watched it, um, that a lot of celebrities, and we mentioned this earlier, a lot of celebrities have like really, really hard upbringings and you can't really tell you just think like oh they led this amazing glamorous life and really they have had a lot of a lot of demons to deal with um so I feel like it's just a really good movie that outlines you know how how people are so affected by what happens to them especially in their family and in their youth and how it can take a while to overcome that and that's not necessarily terrible thing i mean he did make some really good progress throughout the movie um and obviously now pete davidson is like very famous and he is like pretty successful so um you know he's not like a not a total failure in life or anything he obviously could aspire to things it just took him a little while to get there
0: yeah, no, no, I 100% agree. That's that is a great, great analysis for it. Um, And I
1: know a lot of
0: people, some people who may work at Atlas, cough, rich, cough, who do not like Pete Davidson. And hey, you know what, if you don't like his comedy, I get it. It's It's a little... I wouldn't even say a little, it's very dark. His sense of humor is dark. His jokes are very self-deprecating. That's, that's his comedy. And that's how a lot of comedians deal with their, with their shit is by being like, Hey, look at how, how much I suck, you know? Um, But I think even if you don't like Pete Davidson as a person, for whatever reason, um, give this movie a watch because it will really help you kind of see more about him you really get kind of that that close personal raw look and i think again i commend him for for being so honest and for for taking that um that leap in telling this personal story it's very very raw story that you know i have unfortunately never lost a parent but especially losing a parent in something like the terrorist attacks of 9 11. And having to live with that for the rest of your life, like, of course, it's going to, you know, do something to you. But being able to tell that story so honestly to millions of people is is really admirable. And I think that he did it really, really well. And I'm really excited to see what other stuff he's going to do. I'm excited to see other films, hopefully when everything opens back up or whatever, when he's back on SNL, I'm excited to see him on, on there and um i just really want people to give this movie a chance because i loved it i really enjoyed it and i want to rent it again but i really don't want to spend another 20 dollars um but i i did really enjoy it and i think that everyone should give it a watch especially
1: if you don't like pete davidson because if anything else i feel like it'll make
0: you just want to give him a really big
1: hug you know that's true it's kind of a redemption story for him not i mean if you just don't like him his comedy his style Um, you definitely do see a lot of his comedian style in this film, but it's, there's like evidence to back up why he's that way, you know, so it makes you just like kind of understand him a little bit more. Um, but on an official rating scale, Jamie, what would you give it? Mm,
0: I think I'm going to give this one a, I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of five. I I don't think it deserves a full five just because it is a little long, too long at times. Um. I tried watching. It. I fell asleep the first time I watched it because I fell asleep during everything. And then when I was um, picking up where I left off, I felt like I was watching it forever. And then I paused cause I, I had to do something. I think my son actually woke up from a nap, which he has right now. If you can hear that in the background. Um, uh, and I pause it and there's still 40 minutes left. And I, I loved the movie, but I'm like, oh my God, how is there still this much movie left? So definitely could have been trimmed down a little bit. Um, I don't like how not everything was wrapped up in the end. At times it felt it was a little too, op- not optimistic, but at the end, like, you know, Kelsey takes him back and everything's fine with Ray and everything. Like, I don't think that that's necessarily life, but I think with how heavy the movie gets, it needs that, it needs that sense of like, things can be okay. Things can go the way you want them to. Um, So I, I, it's not really a fault of the film, but it's just not 100% realistic, I guess. But yeah, 4.5 out of five, not a perfect film, but I really, really, really liked it. The cast is outstanding. Everyone does a great job. The writing is excellent and funny and, and sweet. And I just really loved it. So
1: that's, that's my official rating. What about you? Yeah, I would totally agree. Um I would give it a 4 out of 5 because I'm not as obsessed with Pete Davidson as you are. Uh, <laughs> um I really actually thought I was going to hate this movie. Oh. Um going into it just because I'm not the biggest fan of that kind of humor, like dark humor, self-deprecating humor, um that I know that da- Pete Davidson is like and so I I sort of expected that that was going to happen throughout the entire film and that I wasn't going it was going to make me uncomfortable, but um I actually really liked it. Um again I just thought that it was it was too long um and yeah some of the plot points just really didn't need to be there or they really weren't like helpful to the actual like plot of the movie about him um kind of getting his shit together and and dealing with his shit with his dad and and all of those things so um I thought that that was really some stuff was just unnecessary which is kind of irritating given the length of the film um But I think it was a really good film to highlight depression and PTSD and how that affects children, um, what that can look like. And obviously, and he he does, like, um, talk about being on antidepressants and and those things in the film. So I think that it was a good way to, like, just show how some people deal with their pain. Obviously, he deals with it through comedy. but also just like a good, I don't, I don't know what I want to say here, like a good, it's also like a good showcasing of how important therapy is, yes. which I feel like I bring up a whole lot on this show, but there's just, su- it's just such a good resource because people go through so much in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it affects your entire life. Something like that really does affect your entire life. And so it's so important to deal with it and make sure that you're dealing with it in a healthy way. Absolutely. As I always
0: say, therapy works. So sure does. Um, just to kind of wrap up what you said, I thought you really, you nailed it, Nina. Um, yeah, it is important. It is a, a really important story about, yeah, depression and PTSD in in teens and young adults. Um, and I, I, I always appreciate, um, new media talking about these things in a light that normalizes it and reminds us that we're not alone and there is help out there um but yeah you guys that is the king of staten island um if you have not seen it yet it is available on demand anywhere you can rent a movie you can find this film um if you are uncomfortable with spending the 20 dollars, see if a friend will watch it with you um and um i hope you guys enjoy it uh But we're already almost into July. There's a ton of really exciting stuff that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks throughout the rest of the summer. But as always, if there's something out there that you want us to talk about and you want us to review, please let us know. But until then, you guys, have a happy Father's Day. Enjoy your weekend and we'll see you next time. Keep on streaming.
1: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.